What a blessing it is to be with each and every one of you today in the house of the Lord. The Bible says, I believe in Psalm 92 verse 1, it is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to his name. Uh, and there's nothing like doing it with the rest of our spiritual family. So I'm just glad today to be able to hang with you guys. Uh, we're number three in this new series called Seven Guiding Lights. I'm very excited about it because I think the Lord has some things that he wants to say to us to teach us how we can make good, solid, godly decisions that from the front end have his blessing. Too many times, and just take a second to set this up, we're not going to go through the seven again. We've reviewed those a couple of times, so you can kind of go back in your notes and check that. By the way, if you've missed any of these series, you can uh, check out www.victorywired.com under media and then check messages, and those are free there. You can have it automatically uploaded to your podcast if you're an iPod person, uh, an MP3, you want to burn a CD and give to somebody, that's a great opportunity to do that. So I just want to uh, let you know that you've not missed anything if you really want to go back and listen to them. This morning, I want to, uh, let's begin, I'm going to have you stand with me, please. We have two texts. One is our series text that I'm hoping, after we say this eight times together, that you'll have this one memorized, that we'll commit some of the word of God to memory. It is still good. It's not just for children in children's church or Sunday school to memorize the word of God. I believe if we're nine or if we're 90, we ought to be memorizing God's word. Look at this and let's read together. Here we go. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Stop right there. We're in a very me-centered, self-actualizing, self-centered, self-promotional society. Too many times we make our plans and then go to God when they're not turning out the way we want them to and we beg him to bless our plans. When if we would take the time to discern what is his will, it would come automatically with his blessing. Do you understand my premise? So this is the reason we're taking the time to do this. Now let's go to our message text specifically for today because we're going to be talking about being led by inner conviction. Some of you call it a gut feeling. Some of you call it a hunch. Ladies call it intuition. Every one of you have this in you. The problem is, is that most of the time you're not slowing down long enough to really pay attention to the sensing or the, the, the leading of the spirit or, or a hunch or a gut feeling or something that you're nowhere down on the inside of you is trying to tell you, okay? Let's read this morning from uh, Acts chapter 16, and I've added one verse, so wait until I get to verse 7, and I did this after I'd already sent the, the media notes to the media team, so it's not their fault. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word. Another translation says they were prevented by the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God is prompting them saying, no, this is not the time. Now hear this, God will always answer your prayer. It may not be the answer you want. It'll either be yes, no, or wait. Okay? He'll say yes, he'll give you a green light, or he may give you a yellow light, which is caution. Let's slow down a little bit. Watch out. Not quite time yet. Let's just take a pause. Red light, here it comes. No. Okay, here's the green. It's time. Let's proceed. Okay? Let's go now with uh, verse 7. Let's read together. And they went through the region. I'm sorry. I, I got it. And when they had come to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. 
And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I love the NIV here because instead of it saying immediately we sought, it says we got ready at once. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. I'm not T.D. Jakes, but I love how he does that. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. All right. Get ready at once because God has something for us. Let's bow our hearts for a word of prayer. God, we just submit our hearts to you today, and we thank you for showing us by the power of the Holy Spirit, by leading, that we can test to see what the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. Not that there are three different wills, a good one, an acceptable one, a perfect one, but those are all descriptions of the same one will of God. It is good, it is acceptable, and it is perfect. God, we thank you today for your Holy Spirit in this place who is the only teacher. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Breathe into us because the inspiration of the Almighty gives understanding. I just acknowledge before you and everyone hearing that I cannot do anything apart from you, Jesus. But Lord, with you, I can do everything that you've called me, that you've destined me, that you've asked me to do. Be in this service today. Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I believe that every one of us have an inner guidance system that we were born with. I believe that even unbelievers have the equipment, the spirit on the inside that may not be activated. It may be a, set, a cell tower that's dead. It, it may be a, a phone that's not getting any service. However you want to analogize this, whatever metaphor you want to use, God intends, I believe, to get a message to you. And I believe that he works through all of these and that we don't just need to rely on one alone. A pilot who safely lands a plane looks to a series of runway lights. I believe the more grave the decision, the more important the decision that you're making, the more of these guiding lights that you need to have lined up. We've listed the seven. We're not going to take time to do that this morning, but we are focusing this time today on this particular idea of inner conviction. The Bible calls this inward witness. We're going to look at several verses. First John 2 says you have an unction of the Holy One. Look at your neighbor right now and say, you have an unction? Come on, say it like you mean it. Say you have an unction? To function. You have an unction to function. God has given you equipment as a believer. And this series is deliberately sort of dialed back a little bit more in teaching. Um, as we look this morning, there are scriptures that are there in your notes. Not all of them are going to appear. I'll quote them. The first one that we begin with is one that we are using every week. You will hear me say this one over and over and over. That is Jerb, Jerb the book of Jerb. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Been hanging out with Medea. Hallelujah. <laughs> the book of Job. <laughs> Chapter 32, verse 8, it says, But it is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. I grew up quoting this in King James, and it says, 
But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. Inspire means to breathe into. When, when you come away inspired by a message, it means that God has blown the wind of the Holy Spirit. <sighs> Hebrew word ruach, spirit, wind, breath. Greek word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. When you have pneumonia, it's in your breath, it's in your lungs. When a person in a shop uses a pneumatic tool, it is driven by wind, breath, spirit, okay? So when we talk about God giving understanding, he breathes into your dead, unborn, unregenerate spirit and he brings life. That's what we call regeneration. It's at that moment where life comes and understanding, the light comes on. The scripture says, the entrance of your word gives light. Last week, we used Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my what? To my path. All right. Uh, next verse, this one will appear on the screen. It's 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 through 20. It says, children, it's the last hour, and as you've heard, that Antichrist is coming. Now, this is in the first century AD. This is, this is written by John the Beloved. And the epistles, and he says, so now many antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. It's been the last hour for 2,000 years, okay? That particularly, I believe, was the closing of the Old Testament age before the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. It was the closing of an old covenant age. The last hour was before them. He says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Now, that's a little confusing. Let's just get it one more time. They went out from us. In other words, you have people that are apart, maybe of a body for a while. But says, but they were not of us, for had they been of us, they would have continued with us. One real test right here is, are you still hanging around? Are you still walking with God? How many of you hear what I'm saying this morning? Is if, if, if the Spirit of God's really in you, you may, you may get offended for a season and maybe fall out, but there's going to be something in you that won't let you stay in that place because you know that you're called to be a part of something larger than yourself. It's not just about me and Jesus riding the range of glory, kind of the Lone Ranger and the Tonto kind of a thing, but it's about us together. You know, the amazing thing is that when I get him, I don't just get Jesus. Man, it just would be so easy if I did. But when I get him, I get all of y'all with it. It's a package deal. We come together right now over you. That wasn't in my notes. It's pretty good. <laughs> but they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. Now here it is, verse 20. But you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all knowledge. Wow. King James says you have an anointing, you have an unction, and you know all things. Say what? Yeah, as a believer, you actually already know all things, you just don't know that you know it yet. Are you hearing me this morning? It's, it's all things. The one who has the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are all in Christ. And guess where Christ is? He's on the inside of me. That means that locked up inside my newly regenerated spirit man is everything that I need to know about every decision that I will ever make. But I have to learn to listen to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I have to allow the mind of Christ. 
I have to let him function. I have to let him flow. Yes, you have within you everything you already need. Don't even look at me in that tone because 2 Peter chapter 1 says you have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness already. You don't have to pray and ask for it. It was done and a finished work at the cross of Jesus Christ. All right. Several years ago, I, I wanted some really good Bible study software. And our church has really just in the last year or so, I actually last couple of years, just begun to surge into a season of growth. And it's, you know, in terms of worrying about every penny, I bought the first three laptops myself because we just didn't want to put that tax on the church to say, hey, I, I need this. And I did let the church buy me some Bible study software. And it was, there, were like, there were like four grades of it. And I remember buying this from what used to be called Baptist Bookstore. And it's now Lifeway. And they had a $99 one, a $199 one, a $299 one, and a $399 one. And I really wanted the best. But I just wouldn't do it to the church for the budget. And they, they budget me some money for some books and study aids and things like that. But I just, just, I just felt a check in my spirit not to do that. And... Uh, so I, I didn't want the lowest, I didn't want the 199, and I didn't feel like I need to buy the 399. So I bought the second one up. I bought 199. And man, I tell you, I just it was great Greek and Hebrew aids and a lot of lots of lexicons and some great commentaries. And new translations started coming out. And uh, actually they had already been out. And I decided, hey, I want these so I can pull up parallel and be able to compare what these translations say. And so I, I called the company and I said, you know, I'd really like to be able to get these translations. And they said, well, actually, they're already on the disc that you bought. I said, no, wait a minute. I, I, I got the 199 package. They said, well, yeah, everybody actually gets everything as if you were buying the 399. But if you want to get those, you have to pay to have them unlocked. They're already there. Now, let that sink in a minute. In other words, I had already in my possession everything that I needed, but I was going to have to pay a little bit of a price in order to open that thing up and get access to it. It was already there. I believe in the same way that God's given you a CD, an MP3, whatever the latest level of technology so that we can talk about this in, an, in a metaphor that you understand. It's already wrapped up inside your spirit and you may have to pay. That is, you may have to sit down and quiet your soul and spend some time in the word and seek the face of God. Maybe get on your knees and humble yourself and cry out and say, God, I don't know everything in my natural fleshly self, but I believe inside my spirit and the new creation man that is on the inside of me that I have a connection and everything that I need is already in there. And God, will you open it up for me? Will you give me some access? Because there is an unction and you do know all things. You just don't know that you know it yet. Let me give you some examples of this. Several years ago, it's probably been 20 years back, I remember a situation where there was a plane that literally broke open in flight. And it broke open because of a stress fracture in the fuselage, in the, in the actual body of the plane. And there was a Christian man sitting at the exit row who later gave the testimony that just prior to the plane breaking up, he felt a, an overwhelming urge to get up and move. He left the exit row and got up and went all the way to the back of the plane. He was interviewed on CNN. This was in 1992. 
He was interviewed on CNN and they asked him, how could you possibly know that you were to move? He said, I don't know. I just had this overwhelming urge. I had a gut feeling that I needed to get up from where I was. I got an overwhelming sense of uncomfortability and I felt like I couldn't breathe. I was being suffocated. I had to get up and walk and I went to the back of the plane. And then when I got back there and used the restroom and I chose to sit down in that seat and it just so happened that it was at that very point where that plane broke open. Had he been sitting there, he would have been sucked out of the plane without a parachute, of course, and would have plummeted to his death. But he was listening. He was paying attention. He was tuned in. He was receiving a signal, and he was hearing not necessarily a voice, but he had a sense. He had an inner conviction. He was overwhelmed by an inward witness. Now, now, I just want to ask you right now, how many of you in this room have actually felt that at some point in time in your life? And I probably think that every hand, if you're honest, would talk about something at some point where you've sensed that, you've felt that, you've felt danger, or you've had an overwhelming sense of peace that's come over you and you felt like it was good to, get, to continue, to proceed, to, to walk through a door, to make a decision. I, I just want to tell you that I believe everybody in this room already is equipped with this. I, I believe that, that there are things that even God moves and works through in showing his kindness to bring unbelievers to repentance, to show them, hey, listen, I got your back. I'm watching over you. Psalm 32 says, I will guide you, I will counsel you with a watchful eye. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is watching over each and every one of us, and he is prompting us, he is urging us. There are, there are moments where we just are overwhelmed, and if we will learn to pay attention, learn to be led by that, learn to sense by the Spirit, and not by the outward five senses of what we taste and see and touch and feel and hear, because we don't walk by sight in the natural realm, but we have to learn how to walk by faith. We've got to learn to walk by some sanctified desires. Amen. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm going to give you another example. 1991. We are riding around Memphis in Dewey's car. You can ask Dewey. You'll confirm this. Uh, let me just tell you already, we were not... We were not belted up. We didn't have Drew in a car seat. Matter of fact, I don't know how we got in the configuration that we were in because Dewey was driving his car. Dawn was in the front seat with him. Drew was standing up on the front seat between Dewey and Dawn, and I'm in the back seat. I don't know how we ended up like that, but we're just, Dewey had come by, and we decided to go cruise downtown for a little bit. And, and downtown is in this massive uh, uh, downtown revitalization program. And there are all kinds of, uh, you know, big orange and white uh, barrels and they're, they're, they're rebuilding areas and they're, they're renovating buildings and they're putting new streets in and the trolley system and trying to redo Mid-America Mall and all that stuff. We're coming back down Madison Avenue and we're headed right into the U.S. Customs Building. It was the post office for a while. Now, University of Memphis owns it and it's their law school. You know, the, the Korean... Memorial is right there in front of that. And when you, when you proceed up Madison, you can just run right smack into, because Madison dead ends, and it's right there at the law school. It used to be the customs house. And at this particular time in Memphis history, Madison was completely one way. It was one way back toward the river. 
And we're riding along there, and Dewey's driving, and we're in the left side lane, okay? Not in the right, in the left. And all of a sudden, I lean up from the back seat, and I slap Dewey on the shoulder, and I said, get over. And Dewey swerves into the right lane on Madison. And as soon as he swerves into the right lane, a car came veering around Madison going the wrong way down a one-way road in the lane that we were in. Had we stayed in that lane in that moment, Drew would have been thrown through the windshield, would probably have died. It probably would have hurt Dawn and, and, and Dewey both. I slapped Dewey on the shoulder and said, get over. And as soon as that happened, Dawn was sitting right there. She can confirm this. Dewey looked around. He said, anywhere else you want to go, you just tell me how you want me to get there. It shook us all up. Now, I didn't maintain some kind of backseat driver position from, hey, do this, do that, because that doesn't happen every time I get in the car. It was one of those overwhelming moments of a feeling, and I just leaned forward and almost without even, yes, without even thinking about it, get over, and he, he, he went to the right. How many of you believe God can lead you like that? Amen. Romans eight fourteen. for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, the mature sons of God. So the anointing is on the inside of you. The anointing is the teacher. The anointing is the Holy Spirit. Listen to these verses. The references are in your notes, but just listen as I read them. Jesus is speaking in John 14, 26, but the helper, counselor, Holy Spirit, the parakletos, the one who comes alongside to help you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. There will be times that from sitting through this message, the Holy Spirit may in a moment that you're not even thinking about the Lord at all, but something will come and it'll dawn on you. He will remind you of something you heard in this message today or maybe something Pastor Alex said two series back in 2011. And you'll hear his voice. The Spirit of God will speak to you, but you'll hear Pastor Alex saying it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's like God has that whole thing recorded, and he'll hit the play button and play back for you to remind you, to bring into remembrance something the Spirit of the Lord has spoken in your life, to bring conviction, to persuade you, to lead you, to warn you, to encourage you, to comfort you, to cheer you, to admonish you, to correct you, all of those things. Jesus says in John 16, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Wow. I believe we're in the same situation, saints. God wants to say some things to us, and we're just not ready to hear it. Jesus says, I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. Everybody say guide. So you have a GPS. You have a guidance system inside you. It is the person of the Holy Spirit. It's God, the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He knows what's going to happen before you get there because he's already there to greet you when you do get to the future. God dwells above time. That one kind of blows our mind. The whole point is this, and I want you to grab this. When you hear truth, your spirit responds. 
It leaps on the inside of you. There's something in you. It's an unction and you go, yes, I've never heard that before. Uh, I, I, there's nothing new under the sun, but it's new to you when you hear it for the first time. It leaps inside your spirit in the very same way that when Mary and Elizabeth, cousins who got together at the same time they were pregnant, Elizabeth with John the Baptist, Mary with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by virgin conception by the Holy Spirit who overshadowed her. They're both pregnant, and when they get together and one heard the other's voice speak, the Bible says the babe leaped in her womb. Now, men, we don't understand that, but let me just tell you something. In the very same way that women can be sons of God and men can be part of the bride of Christ, just for a second, pretend with me, brothers, not that you're carrying a baby, but there's something inside your spirit that you're pregnant with. You're carrying a vision. It's, it's for a great marriage. It's for champion children that love God. It's for a business that's going to be successful so you can use funds to advance the kingdom of God. It's, it's, it's the vision that Lord has for your life. And you hear something and it causes the vision in you to leap because you're pregnant with something. When you hear truth, your spirit responds. Listen. Romans 8, verse 16, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, verse 14. Verse 15 says this, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We call that assurance of salvation. Now, if you have a smartphone or an iPad or a tablet or some kind, or you're holding your, a copy of your Bible, the Bible says in verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if you have something to look at in verse 16, I'd love for you to see this because notice the first spirit is with a capital S and the second word spirit is with a lowercase s. Did you know there's a way that you can distinction, you can make a distinction, you can, you can discern the difference between when God is talking about God, the Holy Spirit, speaking to you and leading you, and your own spirit, little s, responding. It's written in the Word. When it talks about the Holy Spirit, it's a capital S. When it's talking about your spirit, it's a little s. Some of you didn't know that. It's a great way to look and see that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You get an inward witness. You have an inner conviction. You have a gut feeling. You have an unction. You have an intuition. You have a hunch. I'm trying to give you as many different ways as we say this. Inner conviction. What is the purpose of this? The purpose of maturity and learning how to pay attention to these things is that God wants us to learn to hear him for ourselves. The purpose of maturity is to learn to hear God for yourself. You know what? You, you can come in here. Let me just say this. This is not with any degree of arrogance whatsoever. I truly am saying this with humility. This church has the voice of the Lord in it. You can get a word here that I'm confident will lead you and will teach you and will grow you up to be a disciple of the Lord. I believe in our pastoral team, in Haley and Jeremy and Alex. I'm thankful that we have some men and women who are, have the voice of the Lord. They have the heart of God. They have, they're turned on and they're tuned in and they are hearing the voice of the Lord. We pray each week. Your prayer requests that come in, we, and we wrestle over things. Well, you know, what is the will of God? We're testing it so that we can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of the Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
The purpose of maturity is to learn to hear God for yourself. Now, this, listen, listen, listen to me. There are dangers with this because it's completely subjective and it starts to border on the mystical. What I, what I want to say to you is that we have the tendency, it is just so easy until we can really start to learn ourselves. We're going to talk about some guardrails in just a moment, but if we, if we only use this one guiding light and we walk away from the complete absolute standard of the objective truth of the word of God, and I'm only relying on my impressions or, or what I'm sensing or what I'm feeling, I may not feel led one day to stay married. I may not feel led. I may not feel like it to be committed. As a matter of fact, if we're just really honest, uh, don't, you, know, don't, don't, you don't have to show your hand, but if everybody in the room was honest, there are some days you just don't feel like being part of the human race. Don't feel led to be. Don't want to deal with folk. Don't feel led to go get up and go and be committed and show up at work. Don't feel led to go and keep the nursery that I gave my word that I was going to keep. Well, you know, just wherever the wind blows, brother, I'm just led by the Spirit. Well, I, come here. I got a, a lead bullet. Let me let you feel some lead right here. This is lead. If all I do is I'm just moving out of my inner conviction and I'm not relying on the fact that the word has already told me that when I make a commitment, I need to be a man of my word. I need to show up on time with a good attitude. If I'm walking away from the objective, don't, don't preach me down. I'm, I'm doing so good right now. If I walk away from the objective standard of the word of God and I'm only doing what I feel like, then I probably won't feel like doing very much for very long. Well, come on, if you're going to give God praise, don't patty cake. Let's do it. Now, we have in America of if it feels good, do it mentality. Matter of fact, one of sweet little young lady back in the late 80s, Pat Boone's daughter, Debbie Boone, sang, you light of my life. And if it feels so right, it can't be. What's the answer to that? Wrong. There's a lot of stuff that can feel really right but don't make it right. Are you hearing what I'm telling you this morning? Because see, if, if you're walking away from the objective standard of what the truth of the word tells you and you're just going on what you feel like, you can feel like doing a lot of things. Let me just tell you, I, I, I have to really make sure that I've got some lights lit up for me because I can go into the showroom of some new cars and I can get inside one of those and I can smell that new car smell. Ooh, I can get a leading from God so quick. What are you talking? Mm, my, 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 Hallelujah. <laughs> How do you know what I'm talking about? I get a leading, but it may not be the Lord. Are you guys hearing me this morning? This is why we need to employ the witness principle. Deuteronomy 17, 6 is in the Old Testament. It's in the law. 2 Corinthians 13, 1, the apostle Paul tells us, I hadn't been done away with. He gives it back to us in the New Testament again. It says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. This is why you need multiple lights lit up to land your plane. You don't just operate by one. And typically, some people are given to more to one than the other. If you're more of a word person, you probably need to learn how to open up and let the Spirit of God lead you and flow and understand the unction. And guess what? If you're all about the unction and all about a feel, then bless God, you probably need to really get in the word and get some balance over here in the objective side. And everybody in the room is different. All right, is anybody getting anything out of what I'm saying this morning? 
Where is that? What did I do? I have fooled around and left it in my office. I'm sorry. I had a, a poem that I was going to read. Um, we'll just move on. Guardrails. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now you've heard this, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Look at your neighbor right now and say, the devil has no new tricks. He tempted Adam and Eve in the garden with the very same things that the apostle John has just given us here. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. They looked at the tree and that it saw that it was good for food. They were hungry. God had given them a commandment. And their flesh lusted after it. They wanted it. God had said, you can have everything in this whole garden, but the one law that I have, do not disobey me. That tree is mine. It is off limits. Everything else multiplied thousands of species of trees with every kind of fruit available, growing up out of the ground, bearing fruit, animals, everything that they could imagine was there. But the one thing that God said, this is mine, leave it alone. It was the tithe principle in the garden. God says, this is mine. It's holy to me. They took it. They partook of it because their eyes lusted, their flesh lusted. It was good for food. And they said it was good, goodly to look upon. It, it attracted them, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. And the Bible says it was good to make them wise. So they were looking for position. It was the pride of life. The devil used the same thing on Adam and Eve that he uses on me and you today. It is passion. It is possession. It is position. Pleasure. These, these right here are the three means of self-gratification, three dimensions of self-gratification. Lust of the flesh is pleasure or passion. I want to feel something. God does not want you walking around in a state of numbness. Sometimes marriages are challenged. Sometimes they actually go bad, and you will hear the wife many times just say, I, I'm just numb. I don't sense. I don't feel anything. That's not a healthy place to be in. Three dimensions of self-gratification. Not only do I want pleasure to feel something or, or passion to feel something, but I want possession. I want to have something. I want it to be mine. And then finally, position. I want to be something. So to feel something, to have something, to be something. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Passion, possession, position. These are the same things that the enemy has been tempting people with literally for centuries, yea, even millennia. And we keep falling for the same tricks. He doesn't need any new tricks. He just paints it in a fresh spirit of the age, in a new generation format. You know, I, I, 1980s, I was in college and MTV comes out and they've got videos. This is back when MTV actually did play music and not just stupid shows, reality shows. It was actually some pretty good music. And they were always pushing the edge. And, 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 you know, trying to be as absolutely shock you, put as much shock value in it as they possibly can. And then those days it was Madonna. Now it's her granddaughter these days, Lady, Lady Gaga, that's pushing it. 
That's a joke. If we follow all of those unsanctified desires, it can feel like it's the leading of God because we're being drawn to it. We're being pulled in. We're being attracted to it. This is where you need the objective truth of the word of God because God is not going to lead you by an inner conviction contrary to something he's already clearly said in his word. Somebody say amen. Amen. Jesus beat the devil at his own game. He gets tempted in the same way. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of the life. He's hungry. He's fasted 40 days. He's in the wilderness. Satan appears to him and he tempts him. He says, if you're really the son of God and he's always going to come and challenge your identity, if you really were a Christian, same thing that happened to Jesus. If you really are the son of God, if you are the son of God, look at those stones, speak the word, cause them to become bread. Jesus said, get behind me, adversary. Get behind me, Satan. He said, Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He goes back and he takes the objective truth of the scripture. He picks up a sword and he cuts off the head of the devil who is trying to tempt him. When you are moving and being led by a sanctified desire, you can always confirm it by picking up what the word says. Look at your neighbor and say, what does the word say? Jesus beat the devil on his own territory, on his own ground, by very simply taking the word and confessing it back to him. I won't take the time to expand the the story or the analogy because you know what happened. He took him to the top of the temple. He took him over the mountain and offered him the, the possessions of the world. And it was the same stuff. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Jesus, if you're the son of God, bow down. Worship the Lord thy God. Him only shalt thou serve. Do not tempt the Lord your God. He answers him with the word every time. And if you'll notice, the devil quoted the word, but he never quotes it right because he's a liar. Somebody says, how can you know when the devil's lying? And I say, honey, when his lips are moving. He's the father of lies. He will lie to you every time. Are you there? He quoted the word. Jesus quoted the word and he passed all the tests. By the way, I wish I had time. Did you know that Israel was plagued with the same three false gods, Ashtoreth, the goddess of passion, sex goddess, with Baal, goddess of, a god of possession, god of power, and finally Molech. That's where they sacrificed their babies because they didn't want... The, in this day and time, how does Molech manifest himself? Molech has been present in America since Roe v. Wade was passed in 1973, and people sacrifice their babies not to a god in a fire, but to a salt solution because it's not convenient, and they want to feel something. They want to have something. They want to be something. It's not a good time in my life, so it's not time for me to have a baby. So they go sacrifice their baby to the God. Don't shout me down now. But, but, but I'm telling you, we are still, as America, we are worshiping Ashtoreth. Everything is soaked in sex. We are worshiping Baal because we are chasing the dollar. We are worshiping Molech because we are taking the life of the next generation. We would not have the economic problems and a social security system that will be bankrupt in nine years if we hadn't killed 40 million Americans who would be part of the workforce by now. I'm I'm telling the truth this morning. I'm finished. 1 John chapter 2. The anointing's unlimited potential. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you have received from him abides in you and you have no need that anyone should 
teach you. Now, it's strange that he says this, and I hear some independent-spirited young people say, well, I don't need church, I don't need Pastor Michael or Pastor Alex because I've got the anointing, I don't need anybody to teach me. Isn't it amazing that the apostle was actually teaching when he said that? He's teaching them while he's saying you don't have a need for somebody to teach you. What he's saying is you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the greatest teacher on the inside of you, who will bear witness to what is being said by the leaders that God has put in your life. Y'all, come on, that deserves a better amen than that. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous... You may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. I want you to understand this morning that the whole purpose of this series is that God wants you to mature so you can hear his voice for yourself. And you can make good godly decisions that already have his blessing on it. And you do it by learning how to live according to sanctified desires. You put up some guardrails around you and you begin to recognize, hey, listen, look, I still have this thing called flesh It lusts what it sees. It lusts what it wants. It wants to feel something. It wants to have something. It wants to be something. Now, arrest that by the word. Do not disconnect from the solid truth of the objective word of God. And you can learn Hebrews 5. It's part of next week. Hebrews 5, the apostle says this. He said, "There, you know, some of you ought to actually already be teachers by now. But I have to go back and feed you the milk of the word, where by now you ought to, by exercise, you ought to have developed the discernment so that your senses themselves can judge between good and evil. You get to the place where you feel it, you see it, you touch it, you taste it, you hear it. You can be so saturated in the word of God that your desires become sanctified and you can actually learn to trust a heart that's been transformed. But until... And even at that, you should always check the rest of these lights. Check what does the word say. What are you sensing in your spirit? Did you get anything out of this this morning? Put your hands together and let's give the Lord praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're an amazing teacher. Thank you for your word that absolutely is beyond description. We bow our hearts together. We bow our hearts in reverence to you, Jesus. I ask you that you just move into this place. Thank you. You've been doing an amazing work, oh God. Holy Spirit, you've been opening eyes and Lord, you've been pricking hearts. Thank you for inner conviction that you lead us. Lord, I thank you that right now that there's someone under the sound of my voice who has just heard about a God who loves them so much that he would begin to teach them how to be led by his spirit, how to know his voice. I believe there's somebody in the room today who's never crossed the line of faith who would with me right now say, Pastor, I'm ready. I believe that God loves me so much and I sense him reaching out to me and opening his arms. You know what? All you have to do is just take this step. You turn from your past and you turn to him. It's in the same move. You, 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 you quit heading the direction you're going and you turn and you look to Jesus and you say, I can't do this by myself any longer. I've messed it up. Take my life and change me. Three words, Jesus save me. That's it right there. I would just ask you this, if there's anybody here in this service this morning and you're sensing an inner conviction, 
The Holy Spirit has come and he's convicting you that you need to take that step and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord of your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I would just ask you right now, would you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to call anybody to the front. There's one hand. I see that. Anybody else? Anyone else this morning? Father, I thank you. Lord, for this one who has lifted his hand, God, I ask you today in the name of Jesus that you do a work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, you've already just opened up and blown a wind through, and you've brought conviction. Lord, it's like there's a whole set of equipment that all of a sudden has come alive. Thank you for the work of the Spirit in this new believer. Lord, as, as they take the step to say, Jesus, I turn from my past and I turn to you. Come into my heart and make me alive. Breathe into me and show me how to begin to walk with you, Lord. I ask you for this in Jesus' name. Every head still bowed. If your eyes still closed, I'm talking to believers now. Some of you have seen a time in your life where you paid more attention. You seemed to really be in tune with the Lord. You, you, you flowed and, and you sensed these things. Maybe there's a state of spiritual numbness right now. I don't know what the circumstances are, but I just want to tell you the Lord's reaching to you and he's wanting to make alive He's wanting you to open your eyes and to see the world in a vibrant degree of color that you've never seen it before. You're going to hear sounds like a whole new spectrum. God just wants to blow across the, 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 the spirit in your heart and just, just refresh it. Just hit the, the fresh start button in your life. Anybody in this room, you really feel like that's what the Lord's calling you to? Anyone? A couple of folks, yes. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. That you have the ability, oh God, to, to take the stuff, the rough edges, the calluses that have come into our lives, Lord, just because of just doing life, just getting tired, Lord, to some degree, just laid back and frustrated. God, I pray that you breathe fresh air, breathe the spirit, breathe the wind of God, bring a new sense of conviction, leading by the Holy Spirit on these who raise their hands, refresh Lord, remind us of an Acts where it says if we'll just repent, if we'll turn our thinking, change our thinking and focus on you, that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. God, we just confess that we need you. Just blow wind of the Holy Spirit through our hearts again today. Give us a fresh start in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.